It's Paul. And Shamina. And we're here for Head Boss in Charge. Welcome back. Yes. So, Paul, how you bossing? I'm doing really good. I'm having a great week. Um, great week, but also just in this place where my day-to-day is requiring a lot of energy. Um, I'm getting back into my regular schedule. Um, and what my regular schedule is, is, you know, I have my day job, 9 to 5, but I also do this thing called the 5 to 9, um, <laughs> where I do my hustles. And now that it's, uh, we're, I'm getting back into the swing of things after vacation, it's, you know, I do my 9 to 5, and then I'm either going to dance class, and then I have these company rehearsals that go from uh, 9.30 at night to, like, 11.30. Well, my and I get home at until midnight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. and I'm still like texting you, and I and know I'm you're like, not gonna respond. No, I'm not, because I've been asleep for a few hours by the time midnight rolls around. Right. So I do that twice a week. I have to go to class like two to three times a week, and then sometimes I'm in rehearsal for a performance at a nightclub. Like sometimes I perform with or choreograph for my, you know, my drag, my drag friends, my drag queens, or sometimes I'm in drag, but that's very rare. Um, and then or. Uh, and then I have these other things, like, these other projects. I have to, like, plan my 10-year high school reunion. I have to... Oh, 10 um, years. Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm proud of that. I'm not... No shame. Um, or, you know, there are these family things. Or I, I do photography. And there's just a lot. And I have to soak up every minute of the Monday through Friday. And my weekends are a little bit liberal, but sometimes these shows or the, the, the end results of these, these projects happen on the weekend. So like a dance show or I'm going to photograph okay. a client and then I spend the weekdays editing the photos or um, what else do I do? Oh, theater. I went on a, a couple auditions like that season starting up, too. So I have to prepare my monologues after work and stay up really late and then go to these auditions either in the evening or on the weekend. So. I love this work, but when I take a break from it, such as the holidays, and now I'm struggling sometimes getting my body to find that energy. So it means, uh, forget sleep because I do this uh, (laughs) 9 to 5. So I have to eat healthy. I have to eat frequently. I have to remember to drink water. Um, Stay off social media because sometimes looking at a computer or your phone, like, just drains your mind, Mm -hmm. your energy. And then I just try to listen to people, listen to podcasts that have tips on how to keep that energy really high because I'm hoping my side hustles turn into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these high side hustles are making me money. So, like, it's already doing something for me, but i got to keep the train moving. I, I can't yeah. give up on them, but I'm, I, I love, you know, I like what I do for my career and my day job. I don't want to give that up just yet, but as a professional, that's what you got to do. you got you got to take your evenings and do that five to nine. All right. Sounds good. How you, Boston? Um, I'm good. I'm going to uh, give this a slight preface. We are having um, oh. a little bit of Jack and Coke. So Yes, and I need to refill. Our language gets a little bit colorful. <laughs> I will speak for myself. If it gets a little bit colorful, know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't have much to eat today. It's a Neither Saturday. And, um, so this is hitting me a little bit. Should have planned that better. But anyway, <laughs> that's either here nor there. So I am good. I am on the... Let's see, by the time you all hear this, I will have probably already done this. I have been training for my second half marathon. So today I ran 12 and a half miles. So I am a tinge on the um, sore 
lactic acid in all the places where it shouldn't be um, space. Mm. So I kind of crept over here from the train. Um, <laughs> I can see like creeping. I was like walking super slow, <laughs> um, but I'm good. It was a great run. Like I finished. I made some fun. I have. I'm able to talk on the phone while I run, which is such a blessing because apparently that's people Girl. don't do that. So. Mm. I had, I think, three calls with people, which is nice to, like, I feel like I'm running with people. Um, so, got to catch up with some friends, uh, listen to a few podcasts. Um, but generally, things are good. Work has picked up similarly, um, which means the students are back, basically. Um, so, it's just about kind of reframing my, my mindset in terms of, and I know we've talked about this offline, but um, not allowing myself to get stressed by other people's stress or to carry their shit with me if they're stressed. So I've been working with um, my assistant on like some projects and doing some trying to be innovative and approach work um, in a different way. So that's been kind of energizing and connecting into um, my professional network of people who do similar work that I do that I just haven't utilized before because I wasn't sure what to ask. And then I was kind of like, fuck it, I need help. So I, I emailed out like a question and like two people called me on the phone right away, which I, I don't really like talking on the phone at work, especially because mm-hmm. that means somebody wants something or there's, there's an issue. Yeah. Um, and then like 10 people chimed in with like thoughts and feedback and like were sending resources. And I was like, I should tap into this far more often than I do. So that has been nice and invigorating that people are so willing to be supportive and it's giving me a, a good energy. Um, so I'm generally actually quite good, um, tired, sore, but energized in terms of work. I do not have a, this would be uh, my side hustle that I'm still waiting on the check for. Um, (laughs) you hear that? Yeah. Just to put that out in the universe. Let's not be mysterious. Right. Right. Um, but I run, I've taken a real interest as of late. There was a sale. I can be a sucker for a sale for some online courses because um, I have a just a general thirst for knowledge. Um, so I signed up for, I think I purchased like maybe seven or eight online courses. They were only $10 each, which means like if I looked at the actual cost of the course now that the sale is over, I saved like $1,100. Hmm. I don't, yeah, because I wouldn't have paid that in the first place. But some stuff around financial um, planning and budgeting and um, trying to tap into how other people make their money work for them. Because I don't get it. It's like, it, like low-key, it feels like a great white secret that people don't share. Yeah. And I say white because, um, like, the people on this, po- the webinars or the the, um, the courses are all white. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Like This thing called assets? What, yeah. What is that? Like, like, how do you get that? Something that makes money for you? What? And I'm like, it's like What's passive income. I was like, well, how did you get the income in the first place <laughs> right. to then turn it into passive? So mm. trying to learn that and immerse myself in ways that people like use life insurance to like, yeah, it's a whole bunch of shit that I'm learning and I'm fascinated by. And um, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's only one career that people get those kind of opportunities the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like entrepreneurs tend to, and that's a very broad category, yeah. and it can uh, intersect multiple uh, careers, but I feel like those types of people tend to get benefits from those kind of financial... Mm-hmm. Um, like workshops, workshop. lessons, whatever. Yeah, and like making making more and more money. I, yeah. I think the definition of self, uh, self-entrepreneur is 
that you turn something at um, at nothing. Yeah. So um, I just generally have a thirst for knowledge for mm-hmm. random shit and just like ways to improve. And I think I've, I'm taking like a running course to make sure like my running is in line and my goals are reasonable in terms of like what I actually want to accomplish like and whatnot. So in that sense, I'm good. I'm feeling rejuvenated. Like despite the shit that is going on in this country that I don't even know that I can oh, talk right. about. So um, yeah. So I am not ignoring that. I'm certainly pay, paying attention to that shit. Um, but it's it's difficult to um, talk about or figure out a way to put it into words. Uh, in work, in my personal life, in... Yeah, it's just... It's, it's, it's been difficult. So then I'm, I'm putting my energy in this way and like trying to figure out like how do I, you know, support people who look like me, support people who don't look like me, who support other marginalized groups or... Um, share with other people perhaps some, for lack of a better term, some oppressive ways that they have or ways that they communicate. Mm. Um, but without feeling like I have to, you know, give so much and like give to other people and not take care of myself. Long story short, I'm feeling good. Time for a water cooler talk. All right, so this week we're going to talk a little bit about this book that I haven't read yet, but I've got a bunch of concepts from uh, from some work stuff that I've been involved in. So um, I'll give you a tinge about the book. It's called Good to Great. It's by an author named Jim Collins, who's also wrote Built to Last, blah, blah, blah. So essentially, I'm just going to give you the broad over- overview, and then we'll talk about um, one of the, the key things that's really been on my mind lately. So um, this book is essentially about companies that have figured out um, what it takes to go from essentially a good company to transform into becoming a great company and what are some of the components of that. So at work we were at this retreat. Um, It was different because normally I see a retreat as an all-day meeting. But we were off-site and doing things not specific to our work, which I appreciated. So there was certainly some uh, personal and professional development that went along with that. Um, But one of the conversations that we had was this concept of um, being on the bus. So there were a few things that go in there, and then we can maybe dive into one of three or four different areas. So um, one of the questions we were asked was, are you on the right bus? So like, essentially, are you in the right company, in the right field even? Um, Are you in the right seat on the bus? Because sometimes we are misaligned with what we think that we're good at or what somebody else thinks that we're good at. Um, And then if you are a driver of the bus, are you the right driver for that bus? Um, So those are some of the things that have really got my head turning and there was lots of dialogue and I've just been, it's been like damn near two weeks since that retreat and my mind keeps going back to, am I on the right bus? Um, Am I in the right seat? And I'm, I, um, so yeah, those are some of the first few thoughts. Right. So. Yeah, I love that concept. Like, I'm so glad we're drinking because yeah. I talk about these things a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, it, this is when I get in my hippie mode and me and my friends just get really intellectual. Uh, <laughs> yes, and this this topic is so timely because I have, like, I'm not ashamed to say I've had this conversation so many times mm-hmm. because every phase of my life or even every year of my life, that conversation I have even more to contribute Mm -hmm. or I have a different opinion because of what's happened and 
uh, I'm at this point, you know, late 20s, you know, I've, I've skyrocketed already into like a mid-professional, uh, mid-level professional type position. But I, I'm, I'm still not sure if it's a right fit or where I'm supposed to go. And it goes back to this conversation about the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even go back even further to say not only... Um, are you on the right seat or you're the right bus or if you have the right driver, uh, is, are, are you even supposed to get on that bus at mm-hmm. that time? Maybe you need to go on another bus transfer yeah. <laughs> before you get on that bus. And that could be a matter of years yeah. or months. Well, and the funny thing is I was talking to a friend and she was like, well, sometimes you might be the, the first right person on the bus. So you may be, you may get on a bus and it's the right bus, but you follow, you're with other people who are perhaps in the wrong seats mm. or they the bus driver needs to pull off and let them invite them to get off the bus so it was interesting to think about like well think about your own bus like perhaps you're the first right person on the bus right. and that's perhaps why it feels like because uh, sometimes I feel a little bit isolated in my work um, and that's because on the campus I'm the person who's responsible for this function on the on the campus level um, of course I have a boss who has a boss etc um, but in terms of the day-to-day, it's my responsibility to execute these things or they don't happen. Mm-hmm. But she's like, well, maybe you're feeling because this bus that you're just getting on, you're the first person on it. And I was like, damn, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Because you think about like perhaps, um, and I'm not saying this is true or not, but maybe you've been invited onto this bus because you are the first the first step in the getting from good to great, which sounds a bit pretentious and a bit full of yourself. Fuck it. Who cares? But maybe you're the first person that they've been like, okay, we have a chance to get a right person on the bus. We, we got to get the right person, the first right person on the bus. And someone that stay there because mm-hmm. some, especially if you're the first one, it's like, do you have that patience for that good to great? Yeah. Or like, and you might have to help usher the other people who the company wants to get on that same bus, but mm-hmm. they have to invest in you so that you don't leave. Like you have, they realize you have value, you have uh, this capacity to help them, but sometimes those great people have to walk off and try another bus. Yeah. Well, because the, the other thing is if, if the, um, and this is not necessarily specific to my current workplace, so if anybody knows me, it's not necessarily specific to that, so get out of your feelings. Okay. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, like, it, it can be challenging to be the first right person because then, like, you're the, perhaps you're the person, and this, this sounds... Perhaps a bit pretentious and full of myself. Again, fuck it. Um, I can stop apologizing. Your, your role is then to begin to start to elevate the people around you. Or you start to, you either elevate the people around you or they rise with you. Or everybody's shit starts to show because they're not there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, and I think like maybe that's sometimes people's role. Like coming into an organization to be the quote unquote disruptor. You know, it's to show like we have the potential to be great. We need to make some stops and get some people off and invite some people on. Right. Or invite some people off. Yeah. I want to kind of stay in that realm for a little bit. Uh, When it comes to organizational change, um, um, you have an opportunity to uh, change your executive leader or maybe the head of your department, but someone like maybe at like a senior or VP level, Mm -hmm. right? And um, sometimes organizations, uh, let's say you've been in a period of recycling people, like they just move their way up, mm-hmm. and then someone says, you know, we need an outside person. Yeah. The outside person comes, ooh, and everyone's talking, and it's always a negative connotation that if an outside person comes into the organization, um, 
they're going to just change everything, mm-hmm. right? Which is not always bad. It's I don't know that it's... I can't say that it's been wholly bad in my, my work life. Right. It's not always bad because... Uh, let me go back to my education, right? If you're the person coming in, sometimes the advice that you get as a senior level person is take the first six months or how many ever months, learn, you know, don't fire anyone, don't change anything because sometimes organizations pride themselves over relationships and politics Mm -hmm. versus the work. So it really depends on the organization. Um, If you as a leader need to focus more on being Mm well-respected, then sometimes that means you have to, okay, let me play the game. This is making me learn (laughs) before I make changes. But some organizations, they need the opposite, right? Or sometimes what they may need doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go that route. Mm -hmm. I, I think as an executive level person, you sometimes have to make those risks. And I had a person at a previous institution where they didn't care about if they were liked, right? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes even respected. They just focused on the work and made really big-ass changes Mm -hmm. in the first three months of the job. It wasn't perceived well. People had attitude. I've left since then. That change happened about when I left. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it really made anything from good to great. Mm-hmm. I just, what were your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah. Well, it, I think it's funny um, because I tend to, I, I was looking back recently on, um, recently, the last two weeks, of the people that I've been responsible for hiring, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or being a part of the process, like at other institutions, like I necessarily, and I haven't necessarily been responsible for hiring, but I was like pushing for candidates or whatever, or I'm on a search committee or I'm leading it or whatever. And then I'm like, I am so here for outside candidates. Mind you, I have been an internal candidate for the last, like, three roles that I've had. Um, and by candidate, two of those, like, they're like, can I invite you in to do this? There's no interview. Like, do you want it? Yes. Yeah, so that, that is certainly a blessing. Like, I am, will forever be grateful for those experiences because those experiences brought me to now. But as I think about, like, bringing in the outside candidate... There is something, and I don't even want to use this word, so I'll think of another one. Um, it's difficult sometimes to home grow people um, because then they, I've often seen the mentality of like, well, we've always done it like this. So there's an opportunity that you miss when you bring in like new or fresh energy or somebody who has different ideas. Um, that person sometimes is the catalyst for that big change in the start. Maybe they're the first person on the bus, but we... Um, like managers, supervisors, etc., we really have to nurture that and be willing to pay attention to how those first people on the bus are getting there. Because it's kind of like you said before, when we keep people on the bus, we're just they're just a transfer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're on the same line, they got off and then they're getting back on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not what is helpful, especially if you want to go from good to great. So if I'm inviting, if I'm only nurturing internal talent, like what am I missing out on? Like, yeah, there's sometimes there's a sure shot. Like, you have your people who are, like, consistent. They will perform. They're fantastic individual contributors. But sometimes you have to be able to move beyond that. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think sometimes we can stifle ourselves by being, like, picking the easy hire because they're here. They do a good job. Like, there's not, like, they don't hit people. So <laughs> sometimes, like, I'm like, is that the barometer? Right. Um, and... From a business standpoint, I get it because you also think about the cost 
mm-hmm. the cost benefit because training takes the longest time. And it's like, well, you know, we're at this phase of the fiscal year and we just don't have time to train this person. Let's go with the internal one. It's safe. And then sometimes you bite yourself by yourself because then, oh, that person gets fired in three months or mm-hmm. they're not performing at the level you expected mm-hmm. because they're comfortable, they're internal, they're safe. Um, and so you might as well have gone to the external candidate because yep. and invest in the training because they would have yep. stayed longer. Yeah. There's the thing in this book, and we were talking a little bit about this before, and I've just been thumbing through the book just trying to like pick up small uh, like little nuggets and gems and shit. Um there's this, uh, if you get the book or you see it, it's on page 54. It's called How to Be Rigorous. But there's, I think, like three or four principles um, to, or disciplines. So this one is practical discipline, number one. Remember, we're drinking Jack Daniels. Um, <laughs> when in doubt, don't hire. Um, and I love just that concept because I think it's, sometimes we get down to the, like, I don't have the time or the energy for the training. Like, let me just get, it's not always like a get a warm body, like, you know, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you, you sacrifice that by like doing the easy thing of like, well, I know this person can perform or produce or like, I see, you know, in a year or so, I see a lot of potential. Mm. Um, when you're in that situation, sometimes you got to just not do the hire. Go back to the drawing board, expand your circle, push out the information, and go for the right candidate. Um, That's exactly, like that quote is exactly <laughs> what I'm going through right now. Oh like, my God. I, I'm in this place where this position has gone through so many people. It's just, we can't, we haven't found the right person in the past. I've purposely kept the position vacant and using my staff to fill in the gaps and taking my time with it because. I don't want to go through that bullshit anymore. Yeah. And I'm like working with HR. It's like, maybe we should just do a temp and then try them out. And if it works, mm-hmm. then we'll move to permanent. And that's like a really good method that yeah. I'm going to stick to. Is Absolutely. Let's just make this a temp position and not have any kind of, like no strings attached, yeah. right? Like no long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. Like I get to try you on for a few months and I know that if you're good, awesome. You can apply for when we actually post it, like, real time, and we'll see how you fare against the other candidates. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't work well, then you already knew you were coming in on a temporary situation. And, yeah. Right. But done. I think one of the tough parts of this is that there, with any job, there are a lot of competing demands. So there may be pressure that you're getting to, like, fill the position, like, fill the vacancy, this, the mission critical. I always, I tend to see things as, like, is this position mission critical? And sometimes... You get pressure from, you know, your colleagues, your supervisor, from, you know, the head of your organization. Like, we need to fill this because this is an important value for our organization and this needs to be filled. Um, But I think we have to do a balance of, like, we need to fill it well. And we need to fill it with a level of thoughtfulness behind it. And because what you don't want to do is fill it with, like, maybe you have the person that's super consistent um, but are they going to be the people that the person that changes the game? Like, is this the person you put up in front of like X, Y, and Z to like, this is the person that's going to change the game. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a risk that you take, um, if you go that method. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly, there's, um, and I haven't been in this position where I've been like, I've been getting pressure to like fill a position because it's mission critical or mm-hmm. like it, it contributes to the bottom line. Right. Um, so I can't really imagine what that pressure is like, but I can imagine that it's there. You know, I'm perfectly fine with external candidates. Like, I'm, my experience so far is education and nonprofit. And that's very typical that these types of organizations promote, 
promote with, within. Mm-hmm. And these organizations get scared by external candidates all the time. And I'm, from the perspective of just management experience and just d- uh, a diversity of experience, I appreciate external knowledge in an organization. I never jump to the conclusion that's going to threaten my job security because, one, I know I'm a high performer. So if you're a high mm-hmm. performer, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like, you know, you can just move on. But... Um, the one example, I have to say this, the, the one case where I don't agree with external um, candidates is our current president. Like, I can't, I, I just don't think that applies in that situation. Yeah. Like I get it. It's someone different. And that's actually the, the other side. It's not my side, but the other side actually support the current president because they have a non-traditional background and they think that's actually going to make a difference. When I think, when it comes to government, uh, I, I think no, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who's got some consistency and some proven record of something. Right. Like we need a president. We don't need a CEO. Right. Like or like need... that woman that's being considered for the oh Lord, the uh, secretary of education. Secretary, what, what's her Who name? Beverly she? or Betsy DeVos Betsy or something. DeVos. Elizabeth Warren when she. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. The epitome of no qualification. Epitome of no qualification. Could not answer a single damn question or had no plan in place with a, a billion, a, over a billion dollar budget that's, you know, supposed. Anyways. This dumb bitch wanted guns in schools to be left up to the state um, because places like, I can't, it was the pick of the uh, Dakota right. because of the Grizzlies. And I was like, no, she did not. I didn't. I paused and I said, Lord, I know on a public stage, this fool did not say this dumb shit. And then I was like, yes, she did. And then I went back to a quote that my mom always says, or she's been saying since I was little, well, you know we live in our last days. And I said, we must be on, on the last of days <laughs> if this is uh, anybody's idea of any level of qualified candidate. I'm going to just open my Bible, flip to Revelation, and right? just be Let's like, just... oh, so that's, that's happening so, tomorrow? Okay, like, cool. Oh, so Betsy's name is in here. <laughs> it's in the book okay. of Revelation. Lord, you so, are playing. Right. Okay. You know, chapter 5, verse 34. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. as we uh, yeah, in that out. case, again, when in doubt, don't hire. This is a, a wonderful example, a wonderful example of don't hire. Don't hire. If this oh, bitch Lord. gets in, I'm nervous because, Lord, anywho, mm. let's either hear that. But that's just one of the gems from this book about um, that. I forget even how we started that conversation. Well, no, I wanted us to. Stay, we were going on the the bus metaphor, okay, and I want yes. to stay on the the fact that like. Um, uh, the timing of the buses, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, bringing an external person and, mm-hmm. you know, bringing someone onto that bus is just a transfer, right? Yeah. So um, let's continue with the bus metaphor. I actually want to talk about um, maybe, I don't know if the book gets into it. I don't either. So I know that, I, that neither metaphor. one of us have read this. I will start to read this, but it's going to take some time because there's some graphs in here. And I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Lee Iacocca. I think this but, is very yeah. applicable, but sometimes I'm sitting a bus. I look through the window. I see another bitch on the, a bus. I'm like, I kind of want to be there. Mm-hmm. But am I making up things in my mind? Like, is my idea of being on someone else's bus as great as what I think it is. And sometimes I, I make that transfer. And I actually have not been in a situation... And I'm going to admit right now, I've done that. I've looked at someone else's bus. I've made the transfer. And I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost the grass is greener. Is the grass greener on the other bus? Is the other bus going faster? Do they have leather mm-hmm. seats? <laughs> right. Are they running AC? And right. like it's hot outside? And we over here with the windows down? Um, 
That's a good question. Um, I think I don't know that I have. You know, that, these are lies. Um, so I have been. You mean alternative and, facts? Yeah, these are alternative <laughs> facts. Excuse me. <laughs> Faux pas. Go ahead and edit that out. Um, but I have been on the same in the same caravan of buses for the last eight years in my institution. I've moved around a bit, but I have certainly like when I saw the bus, when I saw the engine light come on on that bus, and I was like. This bus is about to break down. Then I'm I'm doing what I can to get off the bus. So I've gotten on a bus that I feel like was going to break down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then subsequently those buses broke down. And I was like, look at God. Um, so I have been in that place where I felt like, I think like that bus looks better. This bus is getting, I don't know who these people are on this bus. Yeah. I don't, like I feel like this bus is going to break down. Um, so I have certainly made that. I've made that move twice. Twice, three times. Three times. I've made it three times where I felt like I'm not sure of the direction of this bus. Um, and so I have to do my hustle and grind to find a way off the bus. Mm-hmm. Like either slow down, tuck and roll, or <laughs> <laughs> wait for the stop and use the emergency bus to get aisle. out. Right? So, get out through the back. Um, but yeah, I think there's certainly a like, um, it's totally grass is greener on the other side. Okay. You look like, I think I want to be on that bus. Um, and I have to say that I, I will stand by the fact that it will never appear, it will never, you will never experience what you perceive from mm-hmm, the other side, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. I say that because we live in this world, um, and really the most tangible evidence I have right now is social media, where okay. um, I think... Or I'll bring in social media, and I, I texted you last night how I was watching the Minimalist yeah. documentary on mm-hmm. Netflix. You talked about it in the last episode. But in these kind of examples where we have money and social media to, like, flaunt our life. Yeah, and the highlight reel. The, the, mm-hmm. Right. And these, uh, as professionals, we're on the fast track to that senior level position because we know we'll get more money, which will lead to, like, luxuries, which will lead to maybe a larger network, whatever you want to label it as. Mm-hmm. And that's another bus. That's that's probably like it's a smaller bus. It's bougie. It, it's <laughs> much faster. It might as well be a Ferrari, right? It's a different kind of bus, and we aspire to be on that bus. But it's most of the time not right for everyone. And what I hear from these people who ride that have, have been riding that high luxury bus for years are still not happy. Mm-hmm. So. I have to remind myself when I'm looking through this foggy window, maybe drawing, you know, little, you know, signs mm-hmm. on this foggy ceiling window. Help me. Um, I love Alanya, but anyway. <laughs> I saw that gif when she opened the box. I was like, help me. Help me. Oh, gosh, I hate the internet. But, yeah, yeah I, I have to remind myself, like, that may, that's good for them. I'm yeah. on another path. And either I need to still focus on the bus that I'm on right now because it's helping me get to a transfer destination. Mm -hmm. Never an end. I never think we're meant to go to an end Mm -hmm. destination. We're on a transfer destination. But I just need to be patient with myself. And maybe I'm on the bus and I'm just reading. Yeah. You know, learning. Or maybe I'm talking to people who are on the bus with me. Yeah. Well, any bus I think is going to have a shadow side. There's Mm -hmm. going to be the stuff that nobody talks about because you don't talk... It's... it's, um, it's a faux pas to talk about the stuff publicly, like the shitty stuff that goes on, the underbelly of the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you could be see people like, oh, it looks like it's air conditioned. That shit's hot air out of there, but they're not going to be like, I'm hot 
and I'm about to die. <laughs> They're going to ride that bitch to the wheels. Right. Uh, like well, on interviews when like you're hosting candidates, it's like, and we have these amenities and you'll have a nice desk. And right. We, we have such a, we're such a great family. Yeah. And then you, you finally have a permanency on that bus and it's hot as fuck. They're it's, like, welcome. Well, right. you, you ain't got shit to do these first few days. We, we forgot you were coming. Your onboarding yes. experience is like, right. <laughs> Here's your desk. Um, <laughs> Can we order a chair? Because this one's broke. You know what? Oh, the, they have some agronomic needs. Like, yes. HR, can you help me deal with this? First of all, can you not announce my shit? Thank you. So, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. or they're not ready to receive you. Yeah. But, the go ahead. Okay. So, I have another um, best metaphor. Um, I kind of liked what you said earlier about, like, looking at the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um it, you can't have this conversation without, like, we're focusing on the self right now, but mm-hmm. it's also important to think about the group and the community mm-hmm. that these people who are on the bus with you actually impact the direction you may go on, right? Yes. It's kind of like that six degrees of separation mm-hmm. where um, you get on the bus and um, you're presented with, you know, the universe presents you with these five different options. Well, there are five different options because if you decide to get on the bus tomorrow, it's a different group of people that may lead you in one path versus if you decide to get on that bus two years from now, different group of people, it mm-hmm. might lead you to something else. So okay. I kind of just want to bring this back to, we might be able to talk about networking, but maybe on the bus or in our organization, how we may be able to maximize these interactions with people mm-hmm. um, or maybe step back and not let other people's bad perceptions or bad knowledge or even bad advice affect where we go next. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think all of this is such an introspective process. So, mm-hmm. well, we, but yes, it's absolutely obviously you have to think about who else is on the bus because you're not on the bus by yourself because it's just sitting in a parking lot. Um, but it's such, it almost feels like a really vulnerable process to like really think about who's on your bus, who's driving your bus, and if you're on the right bus. So there has to, I think there has to be a really deep level of understanding of like, let me just try to be real with myself and be honest with myself Mm -hmm. about those. Because I think it's, uh, it can be telling if you have this conversation like with colleagues and kind of where they come from. And is it like, is the ego getting in the way of um, letting people be honest about where they feel like they are on the bus? Mm -hmm. Because it can be shameful to be like, I don't know that I'm on the right bus. Because then people are like... Oh, you don't have a commitment to this position. Like right. you're just a part. Like you're just a sometimey person. So, I think there's there has to be a negotiation in your mind. To, like, start to to reconcile that within yourself before you have that conversation outward. But I think it can be hard though to have start to have this conversation with your colleagues. Yeah, like, I mean, really fucking hard. Yeah, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah, right. We're talking about <laughs> each other. I ain't talking about this shit. With no, but. Yeah, it's, well, the reason why, I mean, the reason for the faux pas is, you know, people worry about, oh, so you're thinking about this? Well, yeah. you, you know, people worry about their job security. Yeah. Right? I think this is great conversation for the workplace, but there's a level of tact and... Yeah. There's a trust, too. Trust. Like, trust is a big thing in this. Like, am I going to be able to trust you with, like, if I'm having some uncertainty about if I'm on the right seat or if I'm on the right bus. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a trust that you have to have with people that doesn't always exist. Right. And, you know, being the manager, there are some folks 
where it's easy to have this conversation, but most of the time as a manager, it's just like, okay. But yeah. If like someone it's... admits to me any kind of doubt, like I do lean on that side of like, well, I'm going to prepare for the, you know, for your replacement. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm, I'm also supervising. Oh, it's so hard. Like being in the non nonprofit world, like there's this, uh, guilt or you feel like you have to like do this really big level of professional development and kind of like care Mm -hmm. with this other side (laughs) that was the best and kind of like care (laughs) (laughs) am i evil Uh, no because my thoughts exactly but the other side of me is like you you just gotta you know to keep going you you can't like mull over all these personal feelings and yeah you just gotta keep going it's all about the work but my partner who i work with uh, managerial partner it's like it's about the work like all these feelings but when mm-hmm. you work in education when you work in nonprofit, sometimes the that professional development uh-huh. and that mentorship has to come through and mm-hmm. I get caught in between so yeah it's, it's about the trust <laughs> yeah it's so funny because you like the mentorship because I'm not like huge on feeling surprised um so I am I can find myself really challenged when it comes to like the feelings stuff um, or when people have feelings at work or about something, because I'm like, well, yeah, we're all going to fuck up, and so we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to move on. And then you can handle your feelings, like, once you leave the office, and then I'm hoping that you're coming back the next day ready to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, am I like that all the time? No, because, like, I'm human. So I have feelings, right. too, but I don't, I don't necessarily want to, you know, deal with those outwardly, and I don't want to deal with other people's feelings outwardly either. So I can, in that sense, we are very much alike. Um but I think, oh shit, I had a thought here. Damn, Jack Daniels. Because um, I'm starting to feel it now. <laughs> but um, it, can, it can be hard. Um, yeah. Education is so feely. It's so feely. So I'm like, oh God, can we just get to the work? Right. Like, can we just get to the work? Like, what's our bottom line? Like, in meetings... More than 50% of people's statements are, I feel like... Oh, my God. Can you just say what it is? Yeah. And let's be direct and productive. Like, your feelings don't give any kind of evidence or proof that this is wrong or this is actually good. Maybe you're giving a praise, right? Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. No, but I have a, I have a challenge with that, too. And I don't often say a lot in meetings because it's sometimes a lot of feelings. And I'm like, well, facts, receipts. Like... You do the shit or you don't do the shit. Like, you're making this harder than what it is. Right. Okay, I'm being a tinge on the honest side, but... <laughs> but, like, this is harder than what it is and it doesn't need to be. Like, and that's, that's like, with, a, like, a peer group and colleagues. But, like, with students, I'm, like, we recently talked about this, like, intrusive advising. And, like, essentially I've seen it as getting all up in students' business to be helpful. So I'm, like, yeah, feelings, feelings, yeah. Like, what do you... Like, your GPA is not good. Like, I don't know if you're going to be here past next semester because you're on academic probation. Now, is my job to specifically look at, like, their GPA? No, but, like, you can get real with a student. Sometimes I've seen, like, four students that have appreciated. They're like, no one's ever talked to me like this. But I appreciate, like, that you're, like, that you care in this way. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, good. Because I felt like I was being a little bit of an asshole. But you needed to not to be like, here's a medal for showing up. No, like you in here fucking up and wasting money with this strong 1.6 GPA. Yeah. And you know, oh, this could be another topic, but I think there's <laughs> a huge separation. I can pull in your example between um, 
uh, millennials and employers um, who are in the mid-level executive, like there's this, or like even students and teachers or students and, you know, education, uh, educators, where there's this like nurturing that, mm-hmm. that is expected from the, the younger generation or the millennial popula- population. Okay. And then employers are just like not part of that. And so it's like, this is where they feel caught where well, you know, I'm part of this generation where it's just about the work and we move on and I don't need to have this patience to deal with you right now. But at the same time, like, how are they going to learn? It's just this weird dichotomy, I think. Well, it's so funny because I was talking to someone, one of my East Coast friends about this, and I was like, I can be so developmental. Like, I can only be developmental to a point. And if you don't start to respond to that and I don't see, like, the progress, then it might be time for me to, like, stop the bus and check to see if you have the right ticket for this bus. Mm. To, to kind of roll back to the bus analogy, I have to sometimes be like, let me see your ticket, because I'm not sure if we're going in the same, like if I'm driving in the same direction that I'm hearing you say you want to go. Right. Um, which can be a hard conversation. I have had it. Um, but in however, I think there's there has to be a realization, like I can't take everybody with me. Like, not everybody who starts on the bus with me is going to end up all at the same destination. Yeah. Like, that's not a bad, that's not, I'm like kicking you out of the bus, like with my foot on your back, but it's just, that's not the design of it, because you're going to learn and grow, and I'm going to learn and grow as a um, manager, supervisor, dean, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, I want to use that hidden figures example of where Octavia Spencer brought her character brought all these women with her. That's an mm-hmm. example. She's driving the bus, right? Bring everyone with her, but she can only yeah. bring these people so far, right? And I think there's this level of uh, bravery or sacrifice that we do for the people on the bus mm-hmm. if we're the ones driving it. But uh, sometimes... Only for so long. Only like for I'm so long. Like, I'm only going to take the hits on behalf of my passengers on the bus for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also assume that people are going to want to get off the bus too. Like, I can't assume that you want to stay on my bus forever because you may see me and be like, okay, Ooh, uh, I want to, me, no, go for it. Made me think of something like, uh, when you think about loyalty and, uh, you might be in this position where someone brought you on and okay. like you, you've been with them and you may have even grown with them in the organization. And then some people like feel this huge guilt to leave that bus yeah. Because, like, that driver is still expecting you to be that ride or die. And mm-hmm. it's like, ooh, like, you, you want to step out, but then you somehow feel trapped. The, the, what you just said made me think of that. Yeah. Thankfully, I've been willing to leave the bus. Yeah, I've yeah. been really quickly to leave the bus. And I'm like, if the bus is going to nowhere, then I'm like, okay, well, I want to get, I want to transfer. Right. And it's a reality yeah. for a lot of people <laughs> because in our, our professional networks, like, you don't want to leave a bus and burn that connection. Because yeah. three years, your bus buses might interfere and sometimes people remember things yeah so that's a good one yeah loyalty yeah that could be a whole other thing in itself about loyalty and like who like where does our you know like thinking individually like where does your loyalty lie where does my loyalty lie Mm -hmm. i'm like first of all it fucking lies with self but um but yeah that's certainly a conversation and something a little bit deeper to think about 
Yeah. So what you want to summarize the book and kind of what we talked about? Um, no, I can't summarize the book. I haven't read <laughs> oh, yeah. the book. I mean, I can repeat. Like, <laughs> so like, you just want to keep reminding that I haven't read this damn book. But I have it, physical copy. I will begin to read it and start to digest it some. But really, I think a lot of this is about thinking about the bus that you're on and um, really being introspective and thoughtful and using your network to kind of think about, like, am I on the right bus? And then starting to, like, like reconcile with yourself. Maybe I'm not on the right bus or maybe I'm not in the right seat. Like, maybe I've been, I've been brought on the bus and put in the front seat, but maybe I need to have, like, row three seat on the right mm. at the window. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm going to thrive. So I think there's a, a lot of introspection that can happen when you really start to think about, am I on the right bus and am I in the right seat? And am I on the right bus with the right driver? Mm -hmm. Which is, it's some vulnerable conversation. So I'd encourage folks to like, think about that and start to check in with your mentors. If you don't have a mentor, get one. We can talk about that at a different time. But it's, it's really important to think about like, am I being maximized? Um, am I maximizing my own talents or am I like shrinking because I'm on the right, wrong bus, but perhaps I have a loyalty to the driver um, or to um, something else and I really need to stop and think about, okay, this bus concept, let me break this down for myself and start to figure out a way to get on the right bus so that you are going in the destination that you need to. Yeah. Oh, love that. So um, if you want to look up this book, it's called Good to Great, and it's by Jim Collins. Yeah. We'll put the link and information um, in the episode description. All right. Whew, that was a... I'm sorry, I'm so like... Yeah. high off of the last right. conversation like, like it was, we could have gone on for another hour but yeah. we got a schedule to adhere to so um this is our ask a boss segment and please email us your questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and this question is actually pretty short and simple um we got a question from nathan and um as you may or may not know for most industries conference season is coming up mm -hmm. and so um nathan just wants to know what are some things that we do to get the most out of a conference? Uh, uh, some Most conferences take like probably max a week or maybe a little yeah. bit longer. Lots of sessions, lots of networking opportunities, events, the whole to-do. Um, at least for me, I know I can get really overwhelmed. So yep. um, I definitely want to tackle this question. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I definitely take my time to read through the whole schedule. Mm -hmm. like, I plan out my conference. I don't like planning really vacations so much, but if I want to get the most out of it, I'll sit down. Maybe there are certain tracks um, or okay. uh, conferences are developed in many different ways. Um, I sit down, I focus on um, what I've been struggling through or what I need to hear more about. So maybe it's a technical skill, a soft skill, or, um, or whatnot. So I sit down, I plan it out. Um, I also give myself some breaks because... The thing about conferences is networking, mm -hmm. and some conferences take the opportunity to build in social events, whether they're dinners, bar, bar like maybe it's a cocktail hour, but sometimes there's so much activity, and you go through a session, and you, you're sitting down and listening to what's going on. You don't yeah. have time to talk to people. So sometimes I won't go to every session. I might take a break and just go to some kind of social event so I can meet people and talk to people. Um, conferences can be exhausting, so I want to make sure I'm balancing the networking with the educational. Mm -hmm. um, I think some tips, similarly, I'm going to a conference actually coming up, and 
they thankfully have their whole schedule on Guidebook, which is an app, and you can put your schedule on there. A lot of places are doing that now because it doesn't cost a lot for attendees to um, get get that app. The app is free, and they can sign up. But I've already started to go through my schedule and be like, I want to go to this session and this session. And I also build in breaks. I also think another important thing is if you are <coughs> an introvert, as I am, despite what you might believe on this show, um, take the time. Like, you don't have to. I hate socials. Um, I might go to one if it's like if they're serving free food, low key. Like I hustle like that. Um, but I might go to one. But I don't like socials because I don't I don't love like small talk and whatnot com- uh, and conversations and whatnot. So yeah. networking is certainly a challenge for me. I do it well when I am invested in a topic or whatever that group is coming around. But I don't try to fake and go to socials just because they are on the schedule or be like everyone's going. And I'm like I don't need to go to that because that's not who I am. It's it's overwhelming for me to engage in meaningless small talk. Unless they have a bar. Yeah, then. true. Then, then <laughs> I can my, stay talk the whole time. I'm going to get my one or two and then go. Right. Um, but those are those are challenging situations, and I feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. in those. So take the time for yourself. I love to build in um, the breaks for yourself. I'd say I like to try to keep as regular of a routine as possible. So... As I go to this conference, like, I still need to work out and I still need to run. So that maybe means I don't make it to the 8 o'clock session because I need to run four miles on Thursday and two miles on Friday. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, it's important to keep to my regular schedule and not fully break that up because I'm away from home. Um, Um, I have one more um, input. I think the takeaway, how how you do the takeaway is really important. Um, I I can easily get really, like, I'll listen to such a great... Sp- um, sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> Jack, Jack Daniels, right? thank you. Uh, I'll I'll just take in so much great information. It's like, oh, yes, I can do that. Well, I need to change this way of thinking. Oh, I'm going to incorporate this tool. And at the end of the conference, you have so much information, so many tools. Sometimes you walk away and you end up having no takeaway. Because yeah. I think as human beings, we're not meant to take on every single piece of advice. Yep. So what I do is, even though I've listened to a, a ton of great information... I'll just walk away with two things, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just sit down and process two things because those two things, to incorporate it into mm-hmm. my life and my well-being, it's going to take a lot of time, yeah. right? And then once I feel like I've made it into a habit, hopefully I can grab other things from the conference. Maybe I'll, I'll spread the word. Yeah. Um, maybe it wasn't good for me at the time, but I'll share the word with other people. Yeah. And I think what a final thought for myself is mixing up, because sometimes like, Oftentimes people go because your employer is like, you need to go, we need to have a representation. I try to mix like my personal development with my professional development. So like there are some sessions that I want to go to so that I can learn, but then there's needs to be some sessions that I go to because I want to bring something back to my specific role. Hmm. So I try to, to marry the two of those so I'm not just going to everything that's related to my job because there's other stuff that I want to learn that's maybe in the next phase that I want to be in professionally and I'm not going to get it focusing only on, like, the technical skills for my the job that I have now. So I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, what are some de- some personal development things that I'm going to get from some of these sessions? So it's, it's a marriage of I have to be there because of work, but I also want to grow in some other ways. So I like that. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Nathan. Great question. Um, so please remember to email us any questions or thoughts at headbosspodcast at gmail.com.
um, our last segment of Boss Ass Bitch and Bitch Ass Boss of the Week. Um, I have a I'll, bitch. I'll go, you want... I'll, we'll end with a positive. Okay, so great. I'm going to say my bitch ass, which is really short and sweet because at this point, by the time the episode's posted, uh, this would have been a, an exhausted topic already, but it's still in my spirit. Okay. Um, my bitch ass goes to... Um, our president's advisor, Kellyanne Conway, who had the nerve to dodge a bunch of questions from, I forgot what network, but a a news anchor, um, who, first of all, before I go to the, the, the statement of the year, um, we, we know Cheeto is president, right? We know it. So there's no point when an anchor is asking you a question for you to kind of divert the issue to in making us look bad, the interviewer, about us being upset that Cheeto is president. Like, every time, like, the only topic Kelly and Conway can talk about is about the election and the process and the campaign. It's like, we know. We're done, we're done with it. It's a new topic. So why don't you focus on the question right, and ask and show us the receipts? Right. Then, for some reason... The topic of the past two weeks has been um, the crowds, like the the crowds at the inauguration. It was it was it was the biggest crowd ever. The secretary, the press secretary, said the the biggest crowd ever. Okay, first of all, if that has to be something you have to say out loud, right? That says everything. But anyways, back to Kellyanne Conway had the nerve to convolute her statement and take something that we know is true and says, oh yeah. alternative facts and of course social media i love the internet we've been making a ton of jokes on it but i just want to focus on this woman who just had a position handed to her she's not the press secretary but she's getting interviewed as fuck like so many times Mm. i'm just like you're nobody like and also news people if you're getting tired of kellyanne conway stop interviewing her i knew you were gonna say that that's why i'm pointing at you like she's nobody say it right just stop it and then stop complaining about it there's other people you can interview in that white house uh you know just i'm just so over it bitch ass boss done no i co-sign on that fully um so i have a boss ass bitch um so this weekend uh, my partner and I went to see this group. They're called... It's a duo. Well, there's actually four people, but two people played the primary instruments. They're called Black Violin. And it's two... They appear to be maybe like late 20s, early 30-somethings um, black men who found a love for the violin at a young age. It ended up funding... like They got scholarships through, to college to play the violin, and now they tour the country. Um, they do a mix of... Um, classical music, so think Bach, Tchaikovsky, um, uh, Chopin, and they mix it with hip-hop. So it's a beautiful fusion. So, like, once, literally, like, from, like, five seconds you'll hear, like, the beginning of Fear Elise, and then it'll jump into, like, um, something by Jay-Z. It's, like, it's a beautiful mix, and I, it's, it was, like, riveting, and you can see, like, the passion and excitement that they have for, um, you know, displaying this art, and there's a DJ that they have that mixes along with, and then there's a drummer, but they just are so excited about what they're doing, and I was, like, super inspired by, like, okay, uh, black men doing something that they love that is super, like, if you look like society-wise, it's not really black to play the violin, mm-hmm. but it was so beautiful. So I just want to give like 
a major shout out. I'll tweet them a little bit later What's from our account. Again? Black Violin. So they're uh, at Black Violin on um, Twitter. I'll shout them out. So check our Twitter. Wait, do um, they do like classical and trap too? Yes. Can you like twerk to a classical music? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. And they have two different kind of violins. There's one that appears to be a bit of an electric violin and mm-hmm. then like a traditional violin. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have like a viola, I think is the, the other name for a type of violin. Yeah. But what they do is just so beautiful and they're so passionate about it and it's like uh like that kind of reminds me of uh how a long time ago um that movie with jamie fox um the viol is it just called the violinist do you remember he was that poor man that oh, became famous it was based I, off a true story yeah i don't know the name of the movie but i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah i think so. it was jamie fox it was jamie fox yeah Anyways, um, but that's cool. I'll have to check them out. But yeah, we'll put their info um, also in the episode description. Yeah, so um, we'll tweet at them yeah. as well, of course. Um, all yeah, right, I think that's it. That's it. Yes, another successful episode. We did it. So, uh, just want to leave you with the usual note. Please, please, please stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we also are on various social platforms for our episodes, such as SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. Um, also leave reviews for us on iTunes. That's the main platform that we use. And, um, yeah, catch us every other week for a brand new episode. Yeah. So let, also let us know if you have questions so you can get at us. Paul already said how to get at us. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Have a great week, y'all. We'll see you next time. All right. Fresh out of jail already in your